Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. We're going to be in Leviticus 9 today. I'm overwhelmed and I'm trying to be cautious of my emotions today. This is a good chapter. The Lord is gracious to show his glory to his people and to visit them. This is a climactic chapter. Yes, they've been delivered from Egypt. Yes, Pharaoh has been squashed. Yes, they have a tabernacle. Yes, they have priests. But God's glory is revealed to them. Amen. Let's go ahead and read Leviticus 9 together and then we'll come back and go section by section. Now it came about on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a calf, a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them before the Lord. Then the sons of Israel, you shall speak, saying, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both one year old, without defect, for a burnt offering and an ox and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. So they took what Moses had commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the whole congregation came near and stood before the Lord. Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses then said to Aaron, Come near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, that you may make atonement for yourself and for the people. Then make the offering for the people that you may make atonement for them, just as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron came near to the altar and slaughtered the calf and the sin offering, which was for himself. Aaron's sons presented the blood uh, presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put some on the horns of the altar, and poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar, the fat and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver and the sin offering. Then he offered up in smoke on the altar, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin, however, he burned with fire outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed the blood to him, and he sprinkled it around on the altar. They handed the burnt offering to him in pieces, with the head, and he offered them up in smoke on the altar. He also washed the entrails and the legs and offered them in smoke with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering, which was for the people, and slaughtered it and offered it for sin, like the first. He also presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the ordinance. Next, he presented the grain offering. And filled his hand with some of it and offered it up in smoke on the altar. 
beside the burnt offering of the morning. Then he slaughtered the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings, which was for the people. And Aaron's sons handed the blood to him, and he sprinkled it around on the altar. As for the portions of fat from the ox and from the ram, the fat tail and the fat covering, and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver, then I'll place the portions of fat on the breasts, and he offered them up in smoke on the altar. But the breasts and the high thigh Aaron presented as a waver offering before the Lord, just as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. This is the word of the Lord. Will God keep his promises? That's the question before them. Will will God be faithful in doing what he has said? And why would God be faithful? So we know that, yes, God will be faithful. But what sometimes weakens us and creates doubt is is the reality, are, are we faithful? We're not. So what's the condition, Lord? If we are not faithful, if we don't do our part, if we're weak, how do you respond? We, we live in a world with consequences. We live in a world with broken relationships, with disappointments, with punishments. One of the things that I do as a parent is I, I put together restrictions, punishments, decisions that are made because of behavior. It's exhausting, it's not fun. Driving to my nephew's birthday party yesterday. Little Jameson, cute boy. I'm driving and my dad's next to me. The man that I want to be proud of me. The man I don't want to disappoint. And my wife's in the van also. And then I have four terrorists in the car. (laughs) And it's it's as if they don't know how to get along. And my, my father is Greek, so he goes by the name Papu, which means grandpa, or spoiler. And they know that Papu doesn't bite that often. So they're comfortable doing what siblings do, doing what I still do with my siblings. I mean, they're annoying. So the restrictions start coming out. No TV until, what did I say, like Wednesday or something? Um, do you want cake when you get there? I'm desperate, people. I put all these consequences and restrictions on them because I desire good behavior. Someone's going to get hurt. Um, things are going to happen that aren't safe. Um, 
I'm going to tell on you guys a little bit, okay? Like there, there was, someone threw a stick at me. How do you get sticks in a van? And how do you even have distance to throw it? Someone jumped on me. I know you're small, but it's not a living room. How do you jump on someone when you're in a van? And yes, we do enforce seatbelts. At least Amber does. So I'm thinking to myself, how is this possible? Why is this happening with my dad in the car? And I come down hard. Israel has lived before Yahweh long enough, and they've tested Yahweh plenty by now. Is he going to be faithful? And the times that the Lord has shown his glory, it's been terrifying. We, we, have, we have songs that we ask God to reveal himself to us, yes and amen to that. Where we want his glory, where we want his majesty to be on display. But Israel has seen it in a different light. And when he has spoken, thunder and lightning have appeared. The earth quaked. The people trembled. They placed their face on the ground. They've tested the Lord. Though he has been faithful, they test him. In Exodus, Exodus 29, verse 44, we read Yahweh saying this, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and I will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. His aim is not to just free people and show them love. And hey, you guys want to get rich and abundant and have a land that's beautiful and healthy homes and have a strong military might and just have everything okie-dory. The end goal is that I may dwell among them. In your Christian walk, that's your greatest joy. And we come here and we do pray for people like Mark, who's just been operated on. We do pray for the Myers as they experience loss. We do want to feel joy and peace now. We do want to have physical strength now. But beloved, we want to dwell in the presence of God. So little ones, those of you that aren't married and you don't have to be so little to not be married. You might look forward to that person you will marry. Why? Because they get to know you. They get to see a side of you you have yet to share. You get previews of that if you have a good home with your parents. They know those things that you're afraid of. They know those things that you're good at and they encourage you and they've disciplined and discipled you and, and have fanned the flame on those things. They want to see you succeed and to do well and to flourish. And it's most likely your dream that you will marry a spouse and they will do that and then some. I married an encourager. Then Amber married me. <laughs> and you're blessed. Just in a different way. <laughs> the confidence I have from my wife 
is amazing. The fellowship I have with Amber is awesome. You know, the first thing I will ask her when I'm in the van is, how was Sunday school in the sermon? Because I doubt myself and I trust her discernment and wisdom. And she knows what I'm able to do and she knows what I'm not able to do. And there's no apology about that. Marriage for me has been a blessing. It's opened, that, opened up that intimacy. But my creator, my redeemer, my God, my savior, my Lord, my king, to dwell in his presence, to know that he desires my good, that he welcomes me, though he knows all of my past, though he knows my limitations that now, and he knows where I will fall and fail in the future, he still welcomes me with love. Israel is still learning about Yahweh. How is this whole thing going to work? What happens if we present these offerings and Aaron just wasn't faithful like Moses was? What happens if we get one of these things wrong? And chapter 10 is going to show us the consequence of when you approach God inappropriately in worship. It's death. Chapter 9 is a great chapter. God's glory is put on display. We find in verse 1 that this happens on the eighth day. Moses calls Aaron and his sons out from their time of purification. So they spent seven days to be consecrated. And they made those offerings unto the Lord for those seven days in isolation, showing that they are specifically set apart for this ministry. And then this eighth day, they come out, and now that it is the proper inauguration, as Aaron is going to become officially and practically the high priest. The eighth day is a little bit significant in the Bible. This is the day in which a son would be circumcised. Very often, the eighth day, someone would be named. Also, the eighth day in different, um, in different ceremonies and ritual practices, someone would receive or people would receive purification. So this is a big deal. We find Moses tells him that he is to go before the Lord. We find this in verse 2. This is language as if someone was being presented to a king. It doesn't sound like that in our language, but Moses is saying, prepare yourself... The king is going to come. He's going to visit his throne. So there's preparations that must be made. And he is going to be offering sacrifices yet again to the Lord. But we find something uh, very interesting in this section. He's to present a calf. Verse 2. A calf, a bull for the sin offering. This word calf is not the same word we have been reading thus far in Leviticus. The last time this word calf shows up is in Exodus 32 when Aaron puts together that golden calf. 
What a great reminder. My high priest, you are going to slay a calf. And when he uses that specific word, I think Aaron remembers I was the one in the wilderness that led in idolatry. Doesn't that, wouldn't that make you nervous? It's your big day. You, you, you've been consecrated. You've been set apart. Now we're going to recorrect what you have done. There is grace in that. Is there not grace in that? Is there not mercy in that? Aaron, you led the entire nation into idolatry while my faithful servant Moses met me on the mountain. We had a one-on-one conversation and he dwelt with me so long the people thought he died. You, however, were partying. And that's a very PG-rated way to explain what they were doing while Moses, the faithful servant, was away. But he tells them, you're to offer up a calf. You're to offer up a bull. Now, excuse me one moment. My notes printed differently than I remember. He could have been thinking, how is this going to go down? Go ahead and turn to Exodus 33, if you will. We're going to be visiting the moment in which the Lord spoke to Moses after the people were unfaithful with the calf. At the beginning of Exodus 33, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, Your descendants... I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Prejusites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. So stop there. So the Lord is saying, gather the people, send them out. I will give them the land. They will conquer these nations. I will send an angel before you. Verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning. I'm done. Go. You don't want me around. I will slay you if this is the behavior I'm going to see consistently. It is not safe to be a disobedient, rebellious, doubtful people before me. I will give you land. I will give you success. I will give you milk and honey. Believers, that's not what we want. We don't want milk and honey. We don't want just simply the easy life. We don't want productivity and success and title. They mourned, and they mourned rightly. Go to verse 15, 
Exodus 33 still. If your presence does not go with us, Moses said, do not lead us up from here. Basically, kill us. If you're not going with us, it's not worth it. This life is not worth it. This land of promise is empty. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Has Aaron found favor before Yahweh? Has Aaron, his sons, and all of Israel listened to the instructions of God and his servant Moses? In the law, as Moses has recorded it in Leviticus, he's being very clear as the Lord has commanded. It's everywhere. We're being obedient. We don't want to lose you. We do not want to anger you. My question to you is, not is your life easy? Or are you rich? Or do you feel loved right now? And I don't want to belittle those too extreme, okay? Those are important things for us to have. We want you to feel loved and welcomed here. We're going to pray for you and the needs that you have. But are you seeking God's favor by listening to Christ? God's prophet, God's priest, and God's king. And that listening, we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. What's the the intent behind the listening? In Sunday school, we were talking about why do we read our Bible? And I've mentioned that before. It's to know God. Yes, you become very wise in reading your Bible. You can find practical wisdom. You can be obedient. You can enjoy beauty in God's word. But you come to God's word because you want to know God. That's at the bottom of it. You find him in here. Do you want to obey the Lord just to avoid trouble? And this is a question that shouldn't just be thrown towards the little kids that understand they have to be good for mom and dad. But adults too, do you listen to the words of Christ because you want to just be simply a good Christian? Or is it because he has your affections? Because you love him, you cherish him, you want fellowship and communion with him. You find that his instructions lead to different kinds of blessings the world does not compare to. Do you listen to Christ from that intent? And hey, the other ones are great too. I mean, I want to listen to Christ so I don't mess up. I want, to, I want to read the words of life because I don't want to die prematurely in disobedience. Will they listen? There is grace to be found in Leviticus. Of immediate importance to us, there is grace to be found today. If you do not submit yourself to Christ, I implore you to. Bow a knee to him. Allow him 
to receive the glory he deserves now. Verse 4. Aaron will obey, for the Lord will appear before you. Verse 6, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. This is the expectation, and that is the desire, God to dwell with his people. That is what marks us as God's people and separate from others. That is what makes us distinct. That is what makes us foreign, is that God dwells with us. There is a sense of the holy that should be imprinted on God's people. We don't tell people, come to Christ so life will get easier. If we're honest, we would say, come to Christ and it gets harder. Come to Christ so you can sacrifice yourself before the Lord daily, continually placing your desires, your preferences, your intellect, your name on an altar and placing God as central. Not just first, then you move on to second or to third, but as central. Do you want to be known as a child of God? Will you carry a sense of holy, a sense of God's presence with you? That's my desire. My desire isn't at the end of the day, Daniel spoke really well today. I mean, there's a human side of me that just doesn't want to flop. But there's a part of me that when I die, I want the conversation to quickly move to just how amazing and radical God is and his word. I, I, want my, I think of this, at my funeral, I want to be a footnote to God's glory. I pray that that's your desire. I pray that we would be a people here at WCC that have that attribute about us, that God is here, not just that we're really amazing and successful and we have a beautiful building, which I would never give up, but that God is in that place. Leviticus 26.11, we read, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. That was the desire of old. In Jesus' day, John the Apostle opens up his gospel, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And our future hope, Revelations 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. So Israel's past experiences of Yahweh's appearance have frighten them. Aaron's going to step out on this eighth day. He's going to provide for himself two offerings for the people, four. Wondering what's going to happen. Might do a little bit of flipping around. Go to Exodus 20 real quick.
as we're, as we're in the Old Testament a lot while I've been in Leviticus, this helps me appreciate the reverence of God. This reminds me not to be so casual, though I readily come to the Lord in prayer while I'm driving to work, while I'm with my kids at the table. But this reminds me of his holiness. So Exodus 20, verse 18. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But let not God speak to us or we will die. Stop there for a moment. I can't think of one worship song that says, oh Lord, speak to your servants so we don't die. I, that's just, that is completely foreign to us. If you want to write that song, we're not singing it. From an entire nation. This isn't a five-year-old kid that goes through his story Bible, sees a picture of Satan and gets scared of the Bible and doesn't want to open it up. This is an entire nation that felt God's glory and are terrified. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you. In order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. There was a purpose in it. There was a design. And it's one we can relate to as we have received discipline and as we exercise discipline upon those under us. So in verses 18 through 14, Aaron makes atonement for himself. And we're not going to go through all of those sacrifices because we've, we've already done that. Um, but he's going to make a sin offering for himself. He's going to be communicating, one, that I am a sinner. I'm not spotless. Yes, I am the one that created that calf. Yes, I'm the one that has attacked Moses and his wife. And then he's going to make atonement for the people in verses 15 through 21. I could just imagine the people just, we're going to be received by the Lord. We now have a representative that can speak on our behalf who will offer a sacrifice for us. Aaron very much represents Christ in this chapter. We did not offer up Jesus on the cross. We accused him, yes. We found him to be guilty, yes. But Jesus as high priest was the one who offered up himself for our behalf. We couldn't come up with anything that would be acceptable. To forgive us completely and fully, to satisfy God's wrath, to crush death, to purchase the righteousness of God. Aaron, like Christ, makes a sacrifice for the people. But unlike Christ, he is limited. He will continually offer up these sacrifices. Something very human to think about here. Aaron most likely is 84 right now. 
Think about that. 84, a new career change. His job is to slaughter big beasts and sprinkle blood. That is exhausting. It humbled me in my little, the little chores and tasks that I have. Moses is probably younger, you know, 80, 81. And here they are being an example. Now what we find is then verse 22. Moses lifted, sorry, Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. What's beautiful is I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe this is what Aaron did. He made sacrifices for himself and for his home. Then he went before the elders and the tribes, and he made four sacrifices for them. Then he walks out, and he places his hand high. And he says, the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. After ministering, he goes into the tent with Moses. I wish I could be a fly on the wall and hear that conversation. Feel that energy, that anticipation. What will the Lord do? It says in verse 23, when they came out and blessed the people, so as Aaron now finally leaves from his seclusion, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. This is what it's all about. This is what it is all about. They wanted to go from Pharaoh's thumb so they could worship the Lord freely. They have assembled this tent so they could worship the Lord. They have consecrated and set apart Aaron and his four sons. And now God's glory is there. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. This is what it is like to behold God and see his law as good. He visits them and he receives their sacrifice. How are we forgiven? How are we right with you? Is there, any, is there anything between us now? And God receives the sacrifice and burns it. The payment has been received. The obedience, the faith has been accounted to you as righteous. And in that, they rejoice and they fall on their faces and worship God. Do you remember, believer, when you came to Christ? how your world was turned upside down, the joy I have been forgiven, the joy I am loved and sought after, the joy I have worth because of what he has accomplished in Christ. I have purpose, I have a destiny. These things are sure. Do you remember how beautiful it was to obey the instructions of God? 
Do you remember how scary it was when you found out you've been doing something wrong for so many years? You got embarrassed and you whispered it to someone and asked, am I still okay? Am I still loved? Am I doing this wrong? Rejoicing, weeping, they have been forgiven. Beloved, that's our story. Our great high priest came to the Father and gave the perfect gift. The Lord received it. And our high priest now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Because unlike Aaron, his job was completed. Find rescue and joy and life in that offering. Let's bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for the offering that we find in Christ. I thank you, Father God, that the book of Leviticus is showing that salvation has required faith and obedience, grace and mercy. We thank you that you abound in grace and mercy. We pray that if there are those here today who do not know you salvifically, that they would place their hopes and trust in you and that they would be forgiven. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now is the time in our service.